Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight, which I did. And it's my mission now to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, we're still jonesing on keto mac and cheese. Woohoo! Yeah. And that was some good mac and cheese because I made a surprise and random visit to the Franklin house Mm -hmm. just in time for a spoonful. Was it good? It was okay. (laughs) 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 Anyway. Who are you anyway? uh, Who am I? I am Carrie Brown and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a pain trait. I'm a pain to trace you, chef. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way I'm editing that out. A pain trace tree <laughs> Yeah. You're a trained so, pastry chef. Back to it. I am a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. Yeah, yeah. I take no medications. I have no symptoms. And it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. Right. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression along with bipolar 2 disorder in my case, and both of us feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, just to set some expectations, we don't give any medical advice because, hey, we're not doctors. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. And on this podcast, we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. I love sharing recipes that will help you on your keto journey. Yeah, me too. So let's start podcast number 184, Migraines and Keto with Elena Gross. Before we get started with the lovely Elena, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Righto. That's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, have a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. F-A-T, fat. Yep, the fat on our plates or the fat from that Krispy Kreme we ate a decade ago. And if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. Well, Carrie, what's new in your world, which is just down the road from my world? It is just down the road, and our world did collide for a little bit earlier this week, which was just lovely. Yeah. Because I was on the way back from Boston Airport with the beautiful Kimberly Hull, who is one of the glorious admins in the Keto Kitchen Facebook group. Mm Mm-hmm. Kimberly is helping me with some administrative things behind the scenes on the website and on the groups and and other things. So she flew up from California to experience the joys and the beauty that is Connecticut because Connecticut does not suck. And we've had a pretty lovely week wandering around the Connecticut countryside 
finding fabulous places to drink coffee mm-hmm. and chow down on a few grass-fed burgers. Nice. And I hear you just turned 29. At 29. <laughs> it is my birthday. It is the birthday week, so happy yeah. birthday to me. Yep. And um, for... <laughs> And to everybody out on social media who took the time to write me a little happy birthday love note, thank you. The kitchen, the Keto Kitchen Facebook group exploded with birthday joy. So thank you. That made my year. Fantastic. And from the You Can Never Please Everyone files, Uh it has been determined that my recipes are just fluff and that Carl should take over the recipe segment. You know, fluff is not a keto food. (laughs) I don't know what this person is thinking, but Carrie Brown would never make fluff. (laughs) So It's not even a real food. I don't even know what this person's talking about. So in my attempt to help people who are not cooks and who work really, really hard and and just need some really fast, simple keto foods, I have apparently upset some other members of the community who want oh. long, complicated recipes. Well, we so, can give them their money back. <sighs> oh, well. So... Anyway, there it is. That was from those files. And so the recipe segment's yours, Carl. I resign from recipes. No, that's not happening. (laughs) Sorry. What's new at your end, Mr. Franklin? Well, I've determined that my e-commerce solution that I sell my cookbook through sucks. Uh Uh-oh. It doesn't have a way for me easily to email people who have bought a product. I have to basically... Uh, I don't know. I, I I tried using email services and they go into people's spam folder. So I have to get off that. And I totally apologize to anybody who still hasn't gotten the August version of uh, the, the Keto uh, Bazoodle Cookbook. And if you haven't, please just send me an email, carl at twoketo.com, and uh, send me your receipt. And that way, I know the email that you bought it with, and I can look you up and determine that you, yes, have um, you have that. And so I will send you the link. So just uh, in the meantime, I'm looking at a brand new e-commerce service, something that's, you know, completely hosted, and I don't have to babysit and actually works. So I apologize for that. You know, technology is magical when it works, and when it doesn't, it is just the bane of our existence. You know, and I just hate email. I get excited in my emails, and I put maybe too many exclamation points and stuff, and then, you know, it gets flagged as spam, and it goes in the spam folder. But I've had people say they've checked their spam folders. It's not there. I see that the emails have gone out. I don't know where they go, you know? So, yeah. We'll try to fix that problem, and thanks for bearing with me. Uh, also, we, Carrie and I have a little announcement to make. We're going to do a call-in cooking kitchen keto food episode next week. Full of fluff, apparently. Full of fluff. There's going to be so much fluff in this episode. Uh, we promise 5% nutritional value and 95% yucks and fun. 
And fluff. And fluff. Lots of it. So if you have a question or a funny story you want to tell us, go to call.2keto.com. Fill out a little form. Tell us about yourself. Give us your story. Give us your question. Again, uh, we want to limit these questions to uh, lighthearted questions. We don't want to answer questions about keto science or macros or um, maybe what you should eat if you have an illness. Uh, that's not the point of this Colin show. This is all about, you know, keto kitchen, uh, fun stories and questions. And fluff. <laughs> it's going to be so much fluff. You won't believe it. <laughs> and that's call as in C-A-L-L right. dot two keto dot com, not call dot two keto dot com. That's right. C-A-L-L dot two keto dot com. Fill out that form and join us on the show next week. We'll probably record sometime midweek. Because if you're not having fun, what is the point? That's right. We're just gonna we just want to have fun with the peeps. That's what we want to do next week. And fluff. And <laughs> we want fluff. You know, knowing you, you probably know how to make fluff, marshmallow fluff. Well, You've made marshmallows. If I didn't, I sure would be making fluff this week now. Well, well you made marshmallows before, right? Yes. And what is yes. fluff but marshmallows melted? R- runny marshmallows. Runny marshmallows. You could literally make fluff. Exactly. That could be your recipe today, Carrie. All right. <laughs> no, I have another fluffy recipe for today. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, before we get started with Elena, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.2keto.com. So who is our winner this week, Carl? Today's winner is Jen Higgins. Yay, Jen! And Jen wins a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug that says, Keep Calm Keto On, has our mugs on it, just for being a member of the fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. Right. All right, then uh, it's time for you to read a letter post. Pick one. I was keeping a really straight face until you got to the mail. Okay, so... Who wrote us a letter this week, Carl? Uh, yeah, it's time for me to read a mail, not you. I read the mail around here, don't I? This, yes. This was posted in the great big keto success before and after thread on our forum, which you can get to at success.2keto.com. This is from Cindy Olson. There's a couple of great pictures, and Cindy says, Gulp, okay, here goes my very first post on these forums. I'm 62, and I've been eating the keto way for seven months. Wow, that's a drop in the bucket in terms of time. I'm posting my blog here, even though it's a Princess Bride-themed blog about my husband's and my full-time RV life. Not a keto or related health blog. Here's why. My husband, Roger, Westley to Princess Bride fans had a near-fatal heart attack in December 2018, just one week after having an EKG and being told he was perfectly healthy, though he could lose a few pounds, by his GP. After the heart attack, his cardiologist told him that if he didn't change his diet, he would die. Then the cardiologist gave him no information about how to eat, so I decided that would be 
my job. And here she posts before and after pictures. And they are just startling. So they have their uh, website they post is Happily RV After. And they didn't say how much weight they lost, but it looks like maybe 30, 40 pounds each, maybe 50. That's amazing. Anybody in in my little world, anyone that loses 20 pounds or more is a complete superhero. Yeah. And and given that, you know, they're saying that they got no help about what to eat, that's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I just love stories like these. Yep. They just did it themselves, took it into their own hands and... Uh, and Bob's your uncle. There you go. Another great success story. And I do encourage you to follow the links and uh, check out the pictures. And way to go, Cindy and Roger. Yeah. Well, we are honored to have um, a very special guest today, Elena Gross. She's an Oxford neuroscientist, a PhD candidate in clinical research for ketosis and migraine prevention, and CEO and founder at Keto Swiss AG. Elena began suffering from migraines at the age of 15, and she tried both pharmacological options and alternative treatments, but her migraines were only getting worse. She uses a ketogenic diet these days to successfully control her migraines, and she's going to tell her story here. Hi, Elena. Welcome to Two Keto Dudes. Hello, Carl. Hello. Hello, Keto Two Keto Dudes. Sorry. It's uh, <laughs> great, great to be there, really. I've been a fan from the very first, first episodes, I think, from the very first recordings. And it's uh, so fun to not be a guest myself. Hi, Eleanor. Hello, Carrie. I am, um, this is all my fault. I'm, I'm super excited. Anyone that follows me on social media knows that, that migraines are my nemesis, that I've fixed everything else that's broken about me. I've had migraines since I was 16 and I... I'm at the end of my rope here. So this is kind of a personal show for me. I don't have migraines. I have your grains. <laughs> even better um so yeah it's it's part of the migraines it's literally migraine as in in grains uh, for sure yeah but right we can uh, we can talk what else you can do um for sure there's uh there's more to migraine than just uh, the metabolism aspect or just the ketosis aspect but i guess we'll talk about that one question at a time i don't want to jump ahead sure well i mean in in your bio we we hear that you've had migraines from the age of 15 and i'm not sure how old you are now you don't have to say but suffice to i'm 30 now yeah it's like half of my life basically wow just over half of my life yeah and uh, it was so basically nobody could even diagnose it back then uh, it was it was fairly weird they were doing psychological tests and looking for tumors and uh, whereas migraine is like one of the most common diseases in the world actually it's the third most common disease in total just after dental caries and tension type headache hmm. and still we basically have no idea what a migraine even is there's fairly little research money going into it i think the costs from migraine in europe alone is something crazy like 111 billion euro Whoa. And uh, every seventh person on the earth has it or has had it at some point of time. So, Carrie, we're not alone. Uh, it's more frequent in women. It's more than a headache. I know that it was fairly stigmatized for quite some time. Basically, I first learned about migraines with around five when I was watching my favorite German children's movie. It's called Pünktchen and Anton. Some of the German-speaking guests might, might appreciate that, where basically the mother of the protagonist has migraines. And her friend is asking, what is a migraine? The little kid and her dad is like, a migraine is a headache that doesn't exist. So then for what? like the next 10 years to come, <laughs> I thought the definition for migraine is basically making up a headache. And that's called a migraine. 
until oh. I realized migraines are really real and uh, I had them myself and I had to redefine that definition. And then I just spent about, uh, yeah, maybe 10 years going from specialist to specialist, trying everything pharmacolo pharmacologic, that word is just a killer. It is. Or uh, non-pharmacologic uh, approaches, anything alternative. And it was just getting worse over the so years. Basically. Before you continue with your story, I got to ask you about migraines themselves because I've had a headache yeah. before, but I don't know as if it was a migraine. What's What makes a headache a migraine? As opposed to just so a headache. One of the most predominant uh, symptoms is basically migraines are typically unilateral. So that means they only affect half of the brain, at least to some, some parts of the attack. You'd have it on the right side. Some people have it on the left side. Sometimes it switches. Some people can get both. But typically you have a preferred side as well. Okay. They're pulsating in quality mostly, moderate to severe pain. And they come with some associated symptoms such as nausea. Some people throw up light, noise, uh, smell sensitivity. They get worse with movement. That's important. With a tension type headache, you typically have a pressure kind of pain. And when you move and when you drink things, it gets better. Migraines gets worse with movement. So patients typically want to, if they don't take any medication, they have to literally lie down in a dark room, not move and not do anything. It can be really crippling. And for a third of the patients, you have something like an aura face as well, which is coming up before the migraine, like uh, lasting about five minutes to 60 minutes. And that's basically... Uh, and, and yeah, a period of sensory disturbance. So it could be visual, so that you have basically a blackout or you only see parts of the visual field, zagged lines, or some people even get paralysis or Whoa. you have words finding difficulties or you can, some people cannot speak during that time. So um, that aura is basically, migraines are related to epilepsy. And it's very similar mechanisms in the brain that for an aura, you basically have uh, a wave, an electrical wave called a cortical spreading depression traveling over the back of your cortex and wherever that, whenever that wave has passed it basically leaves a depressed activity and then you don't see or you can't move or some kind of thing so in a third of patients you have that too and then migraines come in three phases so you have a premonitory phase which is basically preceding the migraine attack by up to a day people can sense that it's coming it's like a sense of doom you can get agitated or super tired or excited you start yawning you get uh, food cravings uh, mood swings uh, many different things and uh, light and sensitivity and all those things that stays on during the attack and then you have the post-trauma phase after the headache has has gone and that can also leave you extremely fatigued and um, tired and, and in a different mood. and uh... Is this ringing true with you, Carrie? Yeah, I do not get the, the pre part. I literally, I'm fine one minute and then bang, I'm just, I'm out. And, and for me, they typically, I lose on average about 12 hours for a migraine. Uh, I cannot sit up when I have a migraine. I have to lie down, it has to be dark yeah. and it has to be quiet. And, and then I do get the post bit. I always say, um, that I feel like I've done 10 rounds with Mike Tyson the day after I've had a migraine. So I don't get the pre-bit, but I get the the, 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 the migraine and the post-part. Yeah, and interestingly, all these three um, episodes of the attack can occur on their own. So they don't have to all... So one patient might only even get an aura and no headache at all. Or another patient like you might just get the headache in the post drum. So it doesn't have to all occur in one go. And uh, migraines are so individual, they're, they're so different in a way. Uh, it's quite a varied syndrome or a disease, and we only have classifications for a couple. 
but it's very multigenic, meaning that there's so many different genes involved that it's likely just a phenotype that is very similar or fairly similar, but each individual migraine in a patient will probably be fairly different also in terms, terms of mechanisms. Um, I got to tell you another anecdote, and that is my wife, Kelly. She had mm-hmm. migraines all the time when we first met, all the time, crippling. Like she had to, she couldn't move, you know, dark, the whole thing, right? And she had these special migraine pills or medication that she could take. And, and then, you know, when I went keto, she also cut out sugar, and I convinced her to cut out um, sweetened coffee creamer and instead just mm-hmm. go for, you know, half and half and Splenda or whatever she was using. And then she found that um, when she cut out Splenda, that's when they all went away. So we, we, we don't know for sure because she cut out sugar at the same time, you know, but she thinks that Splenda was contributing to it, sucralose. Yeah, so both make sense. Uh, there's uh, Sucralose will probably lead to hypoglycemia. And already 100 years ago, migraines were referred to a hypoglycemic headache. So the link between hypoglycemia and migraine had been made. And one of the most potent migraine triggers is literally fasting or skipping a meal. And then with the Splenda, you also probably get an insulin response. And if you don't eat a lot at the same time, you also again get hypoglycemia. Hmm. And with, with the glucose, with, with just sugar... It's interesting that there was uh, 50 years ago, there was a couple of studies that did uh, glucose tolerance tests in migraine. And they showed that you can literally trigger a migraine in 50% of the patients by just giving pure 50 to 100 grams of glucose on an empty stomach. 50% would get a delayed headache. And I think what is happening there is uh, something called delayed hypoglycemia due to hyperinsulinism. So it's almost like your thermostat is broken. When you ingest glucose, your body kind of predicts uh, how much is coming in and tries to produce the right amount of insulin at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in a migraine patient, it seems like it is ju- it's basically misjudging the amount of glucose that is coming in right. that is producing insulin in a delayed fashion, but then too much, so we have an overshoot, and then the glucose goes up and goes down way lower than it was before. Right. So with Splenda and with glucose, you basically end up hypoglycemic. Which is one of the most potent migraine triggers because that leads to an energy deficit in the brain. And that turns on your most potent warning signals, which is a migraine, basically. Yeah, Kelly used to order a piece of chocolate cake as an appetizer. (laughs) Yeah, so that would help. Unless there's a lot of food coming after. I I remember Uh, specifically, you know, the waiter didn't bring it and she says, hey, where's my chocolate cake? And he's like, you were serious? (laughs) Yes, bring me my appetizer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, chocolate cake is kind of irresistible, but if you just turn to dark chocolate instead, right? That's well, fine. and now, but now you have so you obviously control your migraines with a ketogenic diet. But here we have Carrie, who is ketogenic and has been for years, and uh, has suffered from these migraines. So there, there clearly could be something in the food she's eating or something. Just uh, Yeah, so I have a four-step approach to migraine treatment, basically. And if the first steps aren't met, basically the fourth one, which is the introduction of ketone bodies, is useless almost. So for me also, I'm not ketogenic anymore, not strictly. I'm uh, more on like a cyclic approach, more like low GI. Mm-hmm. I eat fruit again and colorful vegetables because something that you also definitely have to get right in a migraine patient is mitochondrial functioning. So to in order to 
burn ketone bodies, you need mitochondria. And something that is very uh, profound in migraine and is connected with migraine all the time is mitochondrial functioning. Mitochondria are the powerhouses in the cells. You can think about it like the engine in the car. Sure. Since this is a keto show, right, we know that if we have a petrol car and we feed a diesel, it's not going to work. So that would be the fuel analogy. Mm. If we feed into a glucose-resistant body, if we feed um, glucose, in that sense, the diesel, it won't run. Mm. If you give petrol to a petrol car, the car will run better. So if you have ketones instead of glucose, that will run better, but only if you have an engine in the car. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can give the right fuel, but if you don't have anything to, to use it with, it's not going to work. So if yeah. you're mitochondria on the engine in this case, uh, what is very any migraine trigger that you can think of is can be connected to increased oxidative stress. So, Carrie, you could do a, a test with one of those devices that measures oxygen coming in and CO2 coming out to find your mitochondrial efficiency. Um, exactly. I, There's many different tests, meanwhile, that can check your oxidative stress levels indirectly, more or less, by looking at um, uh, yeah, peroxide levels or damaged DNA or lipids, uh, oxidized lipids. Or you can also, even in Germany at least, you can measure ATP functioning in the mitochondria directly. They use blood cells. Wow. So that's fantastic. You can literally look at how much ATP is produced in your mitochondria. And there's several reasons why the mitochondria might not work. It could be toxin load. So um, whenever you, I was heavy metal poisoned, for example, whenever you have toxins in the body that completely damage your mitochondrial functioning, migraine will persist. Because my theory is, and uh, other people meanwhile agree, that migraines are basically an energy deficit syndrome of the brain or increased oxidative harmful levels of oxidative stress in the brain. So if you don't get enough energy into the brain, then your brain or your body is going to force you to, do, to rest until energy homeostasis has been restored. And that will be lying down in a dark room, right? No sens- sensory income coming in. You rest, you don't expend energy by walking around, you're not thinking anymore. You're basically conserving energy for as long as energy homeostasis is restored again. And coming back to the missing en- the en- engine in the car, right? Mitochondria need to work. One of the things that make mitochondria not work is, uh, is basically micronutrient deficiency. So the first thing to look for in a migraine patient would be, do you have enough magnesium, other minerals? Do you have all the essential uh, vitamins that you need? For example, I don't know, uh, B12, B6, B2, are those present? Vitamin E, vitamin A, all of these are also antioxidant. Then you can add other antioxidants like alpha-lipoic acid. You can add CoQ10, uh, axaxanthin. Uh, that would be the second step. The second step is increase your endogenous, or in this case, exogenously your antioxidant capacity and this is why also I talked to Daisy yesterday from the other podcast she also has migraines and she said when she went full carnival she was suffering so much so for me I feel much better when I increase the colorful vegetable content or even fruit in my diet because it has more antioxidants and I know that genetically you can also check your genes your antioxidant genes so genetically I'm really bad at antioxidants. So my SOD2 uh, superoxide dismutase is mutated and there's other basically endogenous enzymes that buffer your oxidative stress. You know, it's really interesting that you brought up carnivore because, and I know Carrie's nodding her head, she'll tell you, when she went carnivore, she didn't have migraines. Isn't that right, Carrie? Oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I can't remember, but I'm going to have to think and I'm going to have to go back and track now because I know typically when I 
eat carnivore. I don't feel as well, but I never connected it with migraine activity. So if you don't feel so, as well, and I, I'm not talking, I'm not talking much because I'm making copious notes here about all the things you're saying, Elena, because this is just fascinating to me. I do remember you telling me, Carrie, that after your carnivore thing, that you while you were doing it, you didn't have any migraines. I remember you told me that. You're right. Recently, you're right. I went. I I had a, a gut infection and I and so I fasted for two days and then I basically went carnivore and you're right I didn't have any migraines during that time. How long did you do that for? I want to say three weeks. Okay, well that's well that's um, the third and the fourth uh, step in my approach. Basically, is the third one is stabilizing blood glucose, which can also be then. Um, for some patients, that's all also enough. If you then take out all, as Carl said, take out all the sugar and the and the grains and all the crap, and just have a whole food low GI diet. For some people, it's fine if you stabilize blood glucose. But when you have a really a problem with glucose transport, like glut one deficiency, glucose transport in the brain, or glucose metabolism in general, then you really need this alternative fuel source, a more effective alternative fuel, and that's ketone bodies. So the fourth step would would then be ketogenesis and for some patients, it's really essential. And it, this is why it's all so individual. Like for you, if you say a carnivore diet was the best for you, it could be either that you're um, casein intolerant, so you don't tel- tolerate dairy. Or a gut permeability. She could have had a, you know, heal the, you could probably heal a leaky gut in that amount of time yeah, with just meat. Exactly. And Or lectins or, or anything that was in the diet, or you just need high levels of ketones, which in a carnivore diet, you typically achieve as well if you don't go overboard with the meat. So it could be that your mitochondria are fine, you just need more, more ketone bodies. Or you are sensitive to other of those, some of those uh, plant toxins in, in vegetables, or you're intolerant to dairy. So these are things that you could experiment with, uh, where you can see quite some improvements. Oh God, uh, that would suck if the ice cream queen was intolerant to dairy. <laughs> I know. Would that you suck or no? All my, all my recipes me. can be made non-dairy-free easily. So, oh, I just so mean no, for you fine. personally, right? <laughs> I, you know, I hated it. I mean, I was. I mean, I'm in Switzerland, right? Not eating Swiss cheese is like the the worst worst case scenario. And also, whipped cream is amazing. But I recently figured out that you can whip coconut cream. And it has the same consistency as whipped cream. So I can now put that on my coffee and. Uh, on my berries and it's quite exciting so for anybody who wants to try whipped coconut cream amazing um as an alternative so i that so the four-step approach basically targets those different mechanisms and the nice thing why ketosis works so well on so many patients or yeah sometimes including these other steps sometimes not even is uh, that basically there's eight migraine pathophysiological mechanisms that we say that are disease causing in various patients and all of them can be targeted by ketone bodies. So we know that in migraine, energy metabolism plays a role, so glucose metabolism, glucose transport, then we have mitochondrial dysfunctioning, oxidative stress, ketones are antioxidant and they produce, when you burn them, there's less oxidative stress produced. Then we have mitochondrial biogenesis, we have decreased inflammation, we have decreased hyperexcitability in the brain, which is a huge issue in epilepsy and migraine, and uh, then we have increased expression of GLUT1 transporters and so on and so on. The microbiome changes. The microbiome changes very favorably. There's recently been a study that uh, treatment success in epilepsy with a ketogenic diet can be predicted on changes in the microbiome in the gut, which is fairly 
fascinating as well. So we have like at least eight different mechanisms that could play a role in different patients to a very to various degrees, but that can all be um, basically beneficially targeted by a ketogenic diet or the presence of ketones. And I think that's quite fascinating. And I think this is why this works with so many patients in comparison to a drug approach, which only targets one pathway, one target, and that will never work in a chronic disease like migraine, which is so multigenic. You cannot just target one thing and think that a migraine or an Alzheimer or any neurological or civilization disease is going to go away because it's just depending on so many different pathways. And I think that's so fascinating why ketosis uh, is so beneficial in like 80% of migraine patients. Roughly. So I, I tried taking, because you know what it's like, Elena, you try everything and then you try yeah. start try, trying crazy things because you just like, something's got to work. I've got to make this stop. Exactly. Because exactly. I lose so much time to migraines. It, oh yeah. It just, I, mean, I had 20 I'm, days I'm a, day. a month. On right. average, 20 to 30 days, and that was during my, uh, my master's studies. I was going crazy. I was on anti-convulsant drugs then just to make it worse, but they would give me dementia. Another thing you can try is because migraine is uh, related to hyperexcitability or iron channel dysfunction in the brain or bad genetic uh, versions of those, is when you feel a migraine coming, take a tablespoon of Himalaya salt. Of what salt? Himalayan salt. Oh, Himalayan okay. salt. Ah, oh, sorry, so. I was pronouncing it the German way. Um, <laughs> Himalayan salt is uh, full of other minerals and also the sodium can really help to bring, well, this is a little bit technical now, but basically um, for neuron to fire, the resting, something called the resting uh, membrane potential, which is the, the difference in charge between the inside and the outside of the cell. This has to come down. And this is a bit like you can think about it as a, as a wall that protects the land from water at the ocean. A huge wall will keep uh, waves from flooding onto the land. And that's basically a high resting membrane potential, which will protect you from unnecessary firing. This would be um, a very calm brain. When you have an epilepsy or a migraine patient, this wall is come down because uh, the membrane potential basically keeping the, the inside charge and the outside charge of a cell different is very energetically demanding. Basically, 50% of brain energy demand is used for keeping up this wall between cell inside and outside of the cell. So is that why stress will cause a migraine? For example, yeah, stress is energy demanding. Exercise is a migraine trigger. It's energy demanding. Fasting is energy demanding, right? Um, weather changes is energy demanding. Why? With low pressure, we have less oxygen in the air. Less oxygen means your mitochondria work less. Alcohol is energy demanding. Why? Because there's basically a cascade of priorities in the liver, how to get rid of toxins. If you have alcohol in your system, your liver's first priority is get rid of alcohol and not gluconeogenesis or making ketone bodies. So that's why alcohol, I think, is also quite a potent migraine trigger because if you have it without food, you will not be making energy at the same time. So again, you run into hypoglycemia and so you have increased I, oxidative stress. I tried when I was kind of getting desperate last year, I, I later found out that I had Lyme disease, and and if you know anything about Lyme disease, you, migraines yeah. are a thing with Lyme disease. Oh, certainly. So, yeah. but but before I knew I had Lyme disease and worked on getting rid of that, I actually tried exogenous ketones because I was trying to find something that would help with the migraines. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, 
the uh, exogenous ketones that I tried made me so nauseous that I yes, couldn't Yes, that take was the racemic. I'm very sure that was the racemic, which basically, um, racemic, well, I just want to finish the, the wall story. Basically, at the onset of a migraine, this wall this, uh, that protects your land from the water, from the action potentials flowing in, you can increase the wall by taking salt. Simple. Okay. So try that at the onset. You can mix some magnesium in as well. Back to exogenous ketones, 95% of exogenous ketone body salts sold in the U.S. unfortunately are the racemic version. The left-handed version or whatever. Exactly. 50% is the one that the body does not make, is a left-handed version. And what that actually does in our studies, pharmacokinetic studies here in Basel, we found that, uh, that it has a quite profound effect on uh, hypoglycemia. It actually reduces blood sugar drastically by one millimole in like 20 minutes. So that's something in a migraine patient we really don't want. And the DBHB, which is the right-handed version, the human identical BHB ketone body, beta-hydroxybutyrate, that will not do that. And that doesn't make you nauseous either because it's the natural one. And we've, um, we've worked on a, on a product that is uh, encapsulated. It doesn't have any flavor. It's much more tolerable. Um, so in the future, that could be something to help migraine patients as well. They're hopefully. selling ketone esters now, which are a little bit different, right? Yes, they're different and they will, I mean, if, if salts make you sick, then esters will make you vomit for days. Really? It's the worst tasting substance that I've ever tried in my life. I've tried all of them. It tastes like jet fuel and foul eggs combined. Ooh. And you will still have Yummy. that. Yummy. That's a mouthfeel. You will still have that flavor in your mouth four hours after, no matter what you do. And, um, and also, it's probably going to put some stress on your liver because they are uh, basically the esters are estrified, so basically bound together BHB molecules bound to a butendiol molecule, and a butendiol is not an endogenous molecule, and it's an alcohol. So basically, you use up NAD pluses, which are the, one of the molecules that you should have high for longevity and a long health span. It uses up four of those to basically get from butendiol to a ketone body. So it's kind of like uh, drinking alcohol all day if you take ketone esters. So long-term safety, I don't know. For the patients, we had signs of uh, liver failure, or not me, but colleagues. So we're not uh, suggesting uh, ketone esters for patients before we have more data. Obviously, athletes in the Tour de France are using it, are using it uh, on a regular basis, but they're healthy, they will be fine. You get quite high levels with the ketone ester, obviously, because you have three molecules, basically, of BHB bound in, in one molecule, more or less. Um, but the soles are typically more tolerable, they lead to instant ketosis in 20 minutes, but don't take the racemic, which would be my um, my advice, especially in a migraine patient. I get my ketones from fat. Yes, <laughs> and you don't have migraine and probably no, no. Liver, liver issues. I also had so, the, the uh, mitochondrial efficiency test, and, and I was like oh. an athlete. I, yeah, I fantastic. See, very, if very I was fit. to do that or Carrie was to do that, we would have come out very badly. And I know that from, from me. So I have oxidative stress. Any marker is way too high still. Hmm. And uh, so my mitochondria are suffering. And also sport was one of my most potent triggers. So no matter what exercise I was doing. Carrie, for you, how's that? Can you do sport without getting I, a delayed migraine? Um, I, well, because I had Lyme last year, I... I couldn't do anything and I yeah. still haven't got back to what I used and you to shouldn't, do. So. Because then in a mitochondrial damaged patient, sport is literally detrimental because you don't have the buffer to buffer that oxidative stress. I was forcing myself to do sports for two years and I was making myself gradually worse. 
because what sport does is it increases oxidative stress and if you can't buffer it you get really sick and then things like Lyme and viruses they come up they are stronger because your immune system is weakened and one thing that Lyme does for sure is increase oxidative stress. Well we don't know for sure if um, Carrie is not metabolically efficient so you should get that test yeah, first. I think she, yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. But from what she says, it's um, and if you have Lyme, there's almost no way that you would not have oxidative stress increase because right. even your body, your immune mm. system, the way your immune system fights diseases or um, invaders is increasing oxidative stress. Right. That's how it tries to kill the Lyme. Um, that's one of the ways, right? So do you have migraines anymore at all, Elena? Yes, I do. So that's the thing. I still get three days per month, maybe. And I typically know what's been causing it. Uh, like, it's, it's okay. So migraine, you can think a bit, a little bit of, um, imagine a water bu- a bucket. I think everybody can get a migraine in the world. Every single person, because it's a preserved evolutionary mechanism. If something is affecting 15% of the population, there's no way it didn't have an evolutionary advantage at some point. So that's basically given. At some point, a migraine was really helpful. Migraineurs are hyper-excitable brains. So basically, if, say, every seventh person has it, a group of 30 around a campfire, you sleep at night, the migraine patients would save the group from the tiger that is coming because they have very light sleep. They uh, have very good hearing. Uh, they will wake up easily, potentially. And, and also, um, if you have a migraine, your brain is really suffering from hypoglycemia and oxidative stress. So it's uh, very... It's from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense to have it around. And just our environment has now changed so much that we have migraines basically constantly, which which is really not uh, not what it was uh, designed for. So what do you think causes your migraines? So I know that when my bucket, basically, you come, your bucket comes, my bucket was probably more than half full when I when I started my life because of genetics, right? And then it was more and more water was coming in uh, due, due to uh, bad choices in environment. Firstly, the first thing I did, and that's very typical with other patients also, I started taking the contraceptive pill. And basically, even in healthy athletes, that causes an increase of oxidative stress levels by 50%. I had no idea. This connection I don't think has been made. I asked with my patients that we were seeing for the study in the hospital. And with most of them, you can link pill onset and migraine onset by like half a year difference or that getting worse. Then I was thinking in my later teenage years that I was uh, wanting to be really healthy. So I went on a low fat diet because that's what you do, right? All the low fat yogurts and all the crap, you know, with like sugar replacement and lots of sugar, but no fat, low fat milk. Oh my God, can't imagine. So I cut out all the fat. That was obviously uh, very detrimental as well. I never used to drink a lot. I also had a heavy metal problem uh, just genetically and with exposure in England and with my mom and desensitization shots. So that made it worse again. Um, And then you just have these uh, triggers on a daily basis. You drink some alcohol, you're stressed, you have less sleep. So um, sometimes when there's two or three triggers coming together, your bucket is then overflowing. And with some people that are chronically affected, the migraine bucket is always full. So it's always overflowing. And for me these days, it really takes like no sleep, stress at work. And then uh, maybe alcohol on top of that. And then maybe I cheat on the diet or I do something else. Or I, I don't, I'm still not great at fasting, I have to say. Still not. Um, so if I don't eat for too long on those very stressful days, then I would get a migraine. So it really has to be multiple triggers on top of each other that make my bucket overflowing. So my bucket is way emptier than it used to be 10 years ago. 
10 years ago, it was almost full all the time. So it would need almost no trigger for migraine to come. And now it needs quite a lot of triggers for, for it to come. Or then um, with, with a female, you always, um, with a woman, you have the disadvantage of fluctuations in hormones, female hormones. For example, estrogen is very antioxidant. But you only have it around for half of the months. So before your periods, your oxygen, uh, your estrogen levels plummet, and then you're more vulnerable to a migraine attack. And there's even something called the menstrual migraine, where people just get it two days in front of their migraine, all the, uh, in front of their menses all the time. So that can also contribute. I don't know, Carrie, do you have uh, more migraine frequency around your menses? Did you? I had a, a hysterectomy at a very early age, so... Um, oh. and they actually got way better after I had my hysterectomy. Um, they got less frequent, but longer after I had my hysterectomy. But then after I got Lyme disease, everything went wonky and I now get them all the time again. Yeah. So treating Lyme would probably be also a good idea, but it's a hard thing to do. I mean, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm through the Lyme now. I've, okay. I've, I've oh, the great. lime, the lime's been cleared and I was just kind of, you know, maybe stupidly thinking, okay, now the lime's gone. Now the migraines are miraculously going to disappear and they haven't. And no, you know, now you keto... need to fix your mitochondria. I'm sure yeah. you need to fix your mitochondria again. And then, but you could, where are you taking on? She's keto, right? She's she's been keto the whole time, right? Four years, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but she was taking antibiotics, right, for the Lyme? No, nope, I didn't take antibiotics for Oh, Lyme. okay. Well, that's great. But being keto doesn't mean that your mitochondria are excellent if you have toxins or mineral right. deficiencies or other or high oxidative stress around. I mean, ketone mm. bodies are antioxidants, so they will buffer a bit. But for me also, even during my uh, strictest ketosis, my mitochondria weren't, weren't excellent. So it's, wow. it's, sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah. So um, it depends, like depends on the disease you have. If you uh, say um, a diabetic patient, they can have perfectly fine mitochondria. They just have problems with insulin sensitivity. So uh, their mitochondria might be great. And then they go on a ketogenic diet and they feel excellent and they're back to normal health. Uh, But yeah, in a migraine patient, you typically also have genetic variations that will not be great on the antioxidant front. And if you're set up like me with a bad SOD2, then you're, um, you're basically your risk for cancer and all these diseases that are related to oxidative stress migraine, they just increase drastically because you cannot find the toxins and the oxidative stress that are just present in your in a current living. So the ketogenic diet, in a way, also got me way worse because I was now eating all this fish all the time. And yeah. I had no idea, like almost on a daily basis, that uh, larger fish are full of mercury these days and even lead. So that was something that I didn't yeah. know. And, I, I, and, and also liver, liver, but non-organic. I mean, come on. For, for me, that was like death sentence. So that's something to watch out for if you have bad antioxidants or detoxing genetics. Be careful with the non-organic uh, animal foods. I love fish, fish but I'm afraid of it now. I just, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love no fish, to, but I really can't eat it anymore. I can take fish oil supplements and I get my omega-3s, but uh, I'm afraid yeah. of, I'm afraid to eat fish. Well, you're, you're good. I mean, it's good you are. I wish I would have been. I was eating uh, like even tuna fish when I was a student out of a can like four times a week and uh, and getting worse definitely on, on several respects. My migraine would get worse, uh, better with the ketogenic diet, but other things would get worse. Uh, I think it was a toxin load. So um, yeah, those are the things that 
I had no idea. When I started six years, there was little information anywhere, so I had no idea what I was doing. We're living, we're learning, right? And this is so great about right. podcasts like this, where guests come on, or even uh, you guys tell your personal stories and what you've been through, and other people can. Elena, get can you of that. send us links to YouTube videos and other things that you've done, other resources that you can share with us, and we'll put them in of the show course. notes. I, there's also some published papers now, if you want, on the mechanisms of ketosis in migraine, and there's a Nature Neurology review on the topic coming out very soon. And you guys, I can also send you my thesis if you're interested in 250 pages of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, you can you can dig in if you want. It's not online yet. I my defense okay. is in two weeks, and then I'm Dr. Gross finally. Nice. After the defense, we allow we allow to publish it, uh, not before, okay. but I can share it with you before, and then I will put the link when it's when it's published public. I mean, sounds yeah. good, Elena. I can't. Do you have any other questions for Elena, Carrie? Oh, I have a million, but but that would be selfish. Um, uh, so maybe I'll connect with Eleanor offline afterwards. But there's so many people suffering with migraines, and I know that whenever I post on social media saying, you know, stupid headache or I've got a migraine, I get you know, like, you know, hundreds of people saying, try this, try this, try this. And there's so many people suffering. So I'm hoping that this episode is just going to be super, super helpful to – point people in maybe a new direction that they haven't been down before mm. that they may find is the key to to stopping this the madness because it I lose so much Carl probably knows more than anyone how much time I lose because the number yeah. of time Carl pings me and said you know do you want to come to dinner no I've got a migraine do, can we record no I've got a migraine no I mean it just Carl is probably more aware of them than anybody else yeah. it's just so yeah. debilitating and I used to say it's not a life worth living almost for me it was because you don't know where to go with that pain anymore at some point if it never goes away right you just really don't know what to do so this has been life-saving for me like literally so um one last thing because i you and other patients where the ketogenic diet isn't working one thing to look for is literally heavy metals um get that tested and you can get that tested with a provocation test um, sometimes a hair and analysis works and something called a fraction porphyrin test, which is basically checking some, um, some metabolites from the heme pathway that are influenced by the presence of heavy, metal, heavy metals in the body. And uh, that's just something that I wish and I, I just completely underestimated. And I think any doctor I've worked with, uh, when we got rid of heavy metals in whatever chronic patient they typically improve so much because their mitochondria are just working so much better i think carrie's more of a classic rock girl than a heavy metal girl <laughs> just thinking thinking out loud here i don't i'm no doctor but um well that would be good i don't think classic rock has any has harmed anyone I actually, it's interesting you bring that up and I, I didn't interrupt you because I wanted everyone else to hear what you were saying, but I've actually just been through that process too. I had super high levels of mercury from childhood amalg dental amalgams, which I've had removed. Oh, oh my God. So God. all the mercury has now gone. I had very high levels of aluminum and arsenic. Those have all been cleared out as well. So are you sure they have though? How are you testing they have? Um I so the person who helped me with all this was a homotoxicologist um which is using homeopathic treatments. So but I'm not it, it's I never asked the the process of the testing. I just saw the testing results at the start and at the end and 
it's gone. Because that's um, gone. being gone from the blood typically doesn't tell you anything or from the urine. It needs to be gone from the cells and the mitochondria and it's really hard to test and the brain. So uh, um, if you just, without provocation, if you just measure in blood, it could be that you're just such a bad detox person that the blood is completely cleared, but it's everything clog- cl- basically clogging your, your cells and your mitochondria. And then you're even worse off. So typically in a person who can detox in a toxic world like today, they have higher elevated blood and urine uh, levels because they can get rid of it. And a person that is has a fairly high load because their liver arm isn't working as good anymore, they typically have very low levels in blood and urine, but their cells are full of it. Yeah, and that, that that's me because I have the MTHFR genetic mutation, which means that I'm not very good at detoxing. So that's why so all this stuff has built up over over the years and it's just very hard for me to clean it all out especially if you had amalgams your brain is full of methylmercury methylmercury mm-hmm. just adds a little um a methyl group which is a lipid soluble to the mercury which means it's trapped in your brain it doesn't get out anymore so sh- that's like that could be the answer right there it could be mercury mercury is one of the reasons your oxidative stress really skyrocket and your mitochondria are not working very well and then you're just constantly running in an energy deficit. Can you take cells and put them under a microscope and slide and see heavy metals? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Actually, you could probably do a biopsy, actually, a fat biopsy. Take but, a magnet, uh, typically- you know, see if your cells stick to the magnet. I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that is why now you're going to think I'm crazy. But that is why some people with heavy metal poisoning are actually sensitive to like Wi-Fi and, uh, and other magnetic radiation because they're basically a magnet themselves. Wow. I was just kidding. I mean... You're just kidding, but it's literally... Hey, I have a new career, Carrie, as a homotoxicologist. Homeo? (laughs) Hemo? Hemotoxicologist. Homotoxicologist. Homa? That's blood, right? Homa? (laughs) So one of the ways what you could do is uh, do a provocation test with DMSA or DMPS. Those are basically chemical magnets for heavy metals. They are like... um, They're chelators. Chelator comes from like crabs, from these... uh, from these claws, so it basically claws the charged heavy metal um, molecule in its in its structure, and then you can basically grab it out of the tissue and excrete it. So that's a, a way where you can kind of it's not uh, not super intracellular, but it's at least in like the extracellular space where it's like maybe hidden from view if you just take blood. That's a way to find out whether you have a higher load somewhere else. One one way. Wow. I, we could continue this conversation for hours, I know, Carrie, but we, it's, I, I'm so sorry that we've not really focused on keto so oh, no, much no, at we, all. But, well, you know, people suffer from migraines, and right. keto is but yeah. one tool in the arsenal. And it's probably the best one. It's probably the best one. And also exogenous ketones, people can give it a try when they have a problem making enough ketone bodies themselves, which right. I've seen a lot of patients, or they need to include more colorful vegetables so that their endogenous production isn't as high. Mm. Exogenous ketones on a regular basis can help. They don't have to. And I wouldn't uh, advise any like crap, high-carb diet and exogenous ketones. That is complete nonsense. That's crazy. And also as a, as a targeted approach, say you get migraines before your period, you know you have a flight, you know you have some kind of stressful situation, you can kind of take them preventatively. Uh, and then I would not recommend a racemic version, but get a good quality product and and try whether that helps excellent elena thank you so much it's been great thank Thank you you guys amazing this was completely different to all the other podcasts i've done so i'm (laughs) delighted this is going into different directions that i ever thought so great i hope i wasn't too tired after a long friday 
I, um, I knew once you started talking about something you were passionate about that you'd forget about being tired. So <laughs> yeah, I was just losing some of the English terms sometimes, right? You're like, oh, what that's, is uh, what is that in English again? But that's uh, why we're here. Yeah. We'll, and, exactly. and if nothing else, I expect I shall get a lot more empathy from Mr. Franklin now next time I have a migraine. <laughs> Whenever you say it's like it's like epilepsy, then people are like, oh wow, really? Because epilepsy yeah. is always like, whoa. Um, but yeah, it's a similar genetic. Some people, some some kids grow out of epilepsy and get migraines. Um, so yeah. Thanks again, Elena. Okay, thank you guys. Have a great Friday. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was amazing, and I must admit, I do feel a little bit selfish because migraines are my nemesis. So having Elena uh, come on the show is hopefully going to send me down a new path to solving my own migraine issue. Yeah. I hope that that is going to be helpful for a whole pile of other people listening who also still suffer from migraines despite their keto diet. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the day when you talk about how X finally got rid of your migraines and what you did to get rid of them. That's going to be a good day, Carrie. That is going to be the most fantastic day. So yeah. hopefully that'll be soon. All right, Carrie, it's time for some fluff! <laughs> yes, lovely people. Here lovely is another fluffy recipe <laughs> involving no fluffy ingredients. Okay. However, so this week I have come up with something that is not new and not extraordinary. Because it's an egg muffin. Really? But egg muffins are still awesome. Yes. And what makes this different, although probably still fluffy in at least one person's <laughs> mind, is the flavor combination. Mm. Because keto cooking, or any cooking actually, is not about making some revelatory, like, world-changing new technique right. or new dish every week. It's about making super delicious food that makes your mouth happy and keeps your body on track yeah. towards your goals. Flavor combinations. So, so, right. So, flavor combinations. So, this is super simple. I'm just offering you a new flavor combination on an old favorite Great. that could just make your keto journey just a little bit more exciting. So I give you ham, leek, and feta egg cups. Wow. You take a ham, you take a leek. And you take, uh, take some a, feta. Take a feta. <laughs> and everything gets tasty around here. All right. So. Here's what you're going to need. You're going to need a tablespoon of avocado or coconut oil. Mm. You're going to need six ounces or 170 grams of finely sliced leeks, six ounces or 170 grams of sliced or chopped ham, four ounces or 110 grams of feta cheese cut into small cubes. And the reason I say cut into small cubes is because feta that comes pre crumbled normally has some nefarious starchy substance oh, included right. in it to stop it sticking so i recommend yeah. that you get a block of feta and cut it into cubes yourself sure 
Then you're going to want nine eggs, two tablespoons of heavy cream, one tablespoon of fresh rosemary finely chopped, mm. and some ground black pepper. Nice. And what you're going to do is you're going to spray 12 silicon muffin cups or a muffin tin with coconut oil or avocado oil. Then you're going to heat the avocado or coconut oil in a pan and saute the leeks and ham together over a low heat until the leeks are soft, which is going to take about 10 minutes. And you really do want to keep the heat low, otherwise you're going to get brown crispy leeks. Mm. When you've sautéed the leeks and ham, you're going to divide that mixture evenly between the 12 muffin cups. You're then going to divide your chopped feta evenly between the 12 muffin cups. In a large jug, you're going to whisk the eggs, cream, fresh rosemary and pepper until completely mixed. You're going to carefully pour that egg mixture equally into the muffin cups over the leeks, ham and feta. Mm. Then you're going to bake in the center of the oven at 375F or 190C for 30 minutes until well risen and golden brown. You can eat them hot or cold. If you want to store them, do so in an airtight container in the fridge. So you said you don't want to um, saute them until they're brown. So would that technically be called sweating? Yes, yes. You sweat the leeks. Sweat, sweat your leeks. Yeah, low. Until they just kind of melt. Yes. Yeah, low temperature, get them transparent yeah. but not browned. Yes. If you want to make them dairy-free, you can use thick coconut milk instead of the cream. And, of course, you'll have to omit the feta so there'll be ham and leek. Put some tofu in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carl, no. No tofu? No tofu. <laughs> And I really do recommend using fresh rosemary, but if you cannot get it or do not grow it yourself, use a third of a tablespoon of dried rosemary instead. All right. And that's it. This week's fluffy recipe coming to you from uh, carrybrown.com. Excellent. I can't wait for next week. It's going to be so much fun. Make sure you go to call.2keto.com to uh, tell us your story or ask that kitchen question that you've been dying to ask and uh if you have anything you want to tell us something we said wrong something you don't agree with maybe some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said whatever it is send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com and you can follow us on instagram youtube facebook twitch or twitter at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure you use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.twoketo.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, Please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. If you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, 2 Keto Dudes Gold. We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store. Buy your favorite keto ingredients and help us out at the same time. Go to Amazon.2keto.com. We would love you to be involved in helping us build the most awesome keto community. And you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, because that's how a lot of new people get to know about our keto community. Plus, 
plan on attending Keto Fest in the fall of 2020. Yeah. Because the community that is built there is absolutely incredible. It's the bestest. Just head to KetoFest.com to get all the latest information. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up. Keep calm and keto on. Keep calm and keto on, people. Yeah, and we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.